Welcome to the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. My name is Jeanette Cochran. I'm a pastor, women's leadership coach, and self-proclaimed Jesus feminist. I'm on a mission to inspire and equip women everywhere to own our voice, speak up, create, and lead wherever God calls. Because when women rise, everyone wins. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Empowered Christian Woman. I'm thrilled to be here with you again today, continuing our conversation about what the Bible has to say about women leaders and really laying a foundation for a biblical theology of the full inclusion of women and all of our gifts within our churches, in our homes, and in our community. As we continue this conversation... I want to say, I was talking with one of my staff this week, who is also an incredible female leader. And she was just, I guess you could say, grieving how she's realizing that the Bible has been used in ways that have really hurt people. And really, uh, in some instances, in ways controlled people, um, in ways that were really unhealthy. And I think she's right. I think, unfortunately, that is what's happened. And so part of the reason, amongst many reasons, that I am starting here in this podcast is because I want to undo some of that. I think so many people uh, are leaving the church today, and they think the Bible is completely irrelevant. And unfortunately, it's because of the way that it has been misinterpreted and sometimes just frankly misused. And I think that the Bible has a lot for us today. I think that it has incredible spiritual wisdom. I think that it enriches our lives. But we do need to recognize that the Bible is not an easy book to understand. It was written in an ancient culture to a different people at a different time. And so we do need to approach it with some humility. I want to address some of the passages that I know women have heard and been told uh, limit what they're allowed to do and how they can show up in the world. And I also want to look at some passages, specifically today, we're going to look at some passages that are just usually flat out overlooked and ignored. Passages that really support women's leadership that rarely do we hear pastors and Christian teachers talking about. So I'm excited to do that today. You may remember if you did tune in to the previous episode, if you didn't, I encourage you to start there. We looked at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 through 3, where we saw that God's beautiful dream for humanity, God's vision for men and women, was that we would live in relationships of equality, in relationships where there is mutual service, mutual trust and respect, where both men and women reflect the image of God and both are given the um, mandate to rule and reign over creation. And then, of course, by the time we get to chapter 3, because of the fall, community as God intended it was lost And the relationship between men and women has now been ravaged by practices such as polygamy, where men collect wives like chattel. 
The home and the society are structured by male dominance and female subordination. Women are believed to be inferior and they are under the authority and the rule of the man who is the ruler of the household. Women are under the authority and the ownership of their fathers until marriages which are arranged. And then the woman passes from her father's authority to her husband's authority. So this is the culture in which our scriptures has been written. We should not be surprised when we read patriarchy in the Bible because the Bible was written in cultures of patriarchy. But patriarchy was never God's original design. Patriarchy is not God's will and dream for men and women. It's the result of the devastating consequences of the fall. But even within those devastating conditions, there are instances of women playing significant leadership roles. God chose and used women in significant ways to accomplish his purposes despite the patriarchal culture. And so today, I want to talk about three of those women. We're going to look at three women from the Old Testament. The first is Miriam. Miriam was the sister of Moses. She was instrumental in saving Moses' life. This is a very well-known story in the Bible. And so Miriam was that sister that watched over the basket when baby Moses was put into the, the river. And eventually the Egyptian princess found him and adopted him. And um, later, Moses played a leadership role in leading the nation of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. But Miriam, his sister, along with his brother Aaron, also played a leadership role in forming the nation of Israel. Miriam is called a prophet in Exodus 15.20. And in Numbers 12, It said that she is one to whom the Lord spoke. So in much of the way that God spoke to Moses, our scriptures say that he also spoke to Miriam. Now, the prophetic ministry was the highest religious function in the Old Covenant, even above the priest, because the priest entered the presence of God on behalf of the people, but the prophet went forth from the presence of God to the people, to to bring the word of God to the people. And so to prophesy was to speak the words of God. When necessary, the prophets had authority to speak judgment and correction over the priests and the temple even. In Micah 6.4, Miriam is named as a leader appointed by God to lead Israel out of Egypt. It says that very plain and clearly. And so I ask, if it's God's intention that women not be in positions of authority, spiritual authority, then why is it that God used Miriam as one of the leaders in establishing and leading the nation of Israel? Secondly, there is Huldah, who is a prophet. We find her story in 2 Kings chapter 22 or 2 Chronicles chapter 34, if you want to read about it yourself. But Huldah is a prophet who gives authoritative teaching from God to the priest and the king. This is at a time when Josiah was king of Israel. 
Many of you who grew up in Sunday school, no doubt remember Josiah. He was a good king, a reformist king who wanted to lead the people of Israel away from idolatry and back to God. Josiah finds one of the lost books of the law, and after reading it, he's grieved and he's angry because he realizes that his forefathers had neglected and ignored uh, the sacred word and were not obeying the commands as they were given. And so he's at a crisis point. And he needs a word from the Lord. He needs to bring about spiritual renewal. And so Josiah sends the priest to the prophet Huldah to ask for a word from the Lord. And the king and the priest receive that word and they recognize it as authoritative from God. And the Bible records this with no commentary to indicate that her gender was problematic. Now, again, If God does not intend for women to lead or teach or have authority over men, why would God have the king and priest go to a woman for authoritative instruction if that's violating his own will? And then there's Deborah, a judge who held the highest ranking office in the nation of Israel. We read her story in Judges chapter 4 and 5. Now, if you remember the era of the judges was filled with some pretty awful judges. The judges were the ruler of the nation at that time. This was before they had kings, they had judges. And yet Deborah was listed as a great leader. She is set up as a model leader. She was a prophet. She also assumed spiritual leadership over the nation of Israel. As a judge, she exercised judicial leadership, and her political leadership extended to directing the military. So during this time, the nation of Israel is under captivity. They are being oppressed, and they have been, they've been in captivity for 20-some years. And so Deborah wanting to see her people free, commands Barak, the general of the army, to go into battle. And Barak refuses to move unless she accompanies him. And Deborah courageously agrees. She says, okay, let's go. I'll go with you into battle. And because of her leadership, Israel had peace for 40 years. Now, some argue that the error of the judges was unique And it was a difficult time in the history of Israel. And God used a woman here, but he only did so because there was no suitable man to lead at this time. And so, so to speak, God settled for second best, a woman, because he could not find what he really wanted, which was a man. There are several problems with this line of reasoning. The first is that there's nothing in the text to suggest or even hint at this conclusion. To come to this conclusion requires reading one's own personal opinions and assumptions into the text. Secondly, throughout scripture, we see that men being unwilling, unavailable, or feeling inadequate was never an impediment to God's calling. Consider Moses, who said to God at first, send someone else, not me, right? Moses was very reluctant. Gideon was so reluctant that he kept testing God before moving forward. Jonah was so unwilling that he ran the opposite way, refused to obey, but still God pursued him. 
and chose him for the task. And then we could talk about Saul turned Paul, who had no interest in Christ, but yet God pursued him until he reached him. I mean, friends, to say that God would have preferred a male leader, but that God was unable to do so is an insult to the greatness and the sovereignty of God. Deborah was a leader in Israel because God chose her to lead Israel, even though there were male leaders. God chose Deborah to be the leader. Deborah was the highest leader in the nation of Israel, and although she was married, she, not her husband, was chosen by God to be the leader of his people. And so if she was leading Israel and her husband was among those who were citizens of the nation of Israel, then her leadership extended over her husband. Her husband was under her leadership and her authority. This begs the question then, if it's truly God's will that women be permanently excluded from teaching or holding authority over men, then why is Deborah recorded as a great leader in Israel? Why is it that the writers never mention this as, as being a mistake? They never say anything about her gender being a problem. They just record it and they record it as a good thing. The story of Deborah is memorialized in an ancient song that Deborah writes in Judges chapter 5 is where we find it. It's included in our canon of scripture, and it lays the victory of their battle at the feet of two women, Jael and Deborah. And Judges 5-7, this is Deborah's song. This is one of the lines from her song. She says, villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel, until I arose a mother in Israel. Of all the things that Deborah could have legitimately called herself, a judge, a prophetess, a deliverer, an intercessor, she chose to call herself a mother. She had, as a mother in Israel, as an image bearer of God, as an Azer Konegdo, if you look back at the last episode, she recognized that she had spiritual leadership over the nation of Israel. And I think this is because she saw the people of Israel as her children, and she longed for all of her children to experience peace and security. And so it was that love that led her into battle to protect her people, to protect the nation of Israel. I think this is so ironic because the gender roles teaching that we receive in much of complementarianism tells us that God created men to be protectors and women to be nurturers. But here we see Deborah, a woman, going into battle as a protector of her people. Because the reality is, whether you are male or female, when it is in your power to protect someone, you are called to protect them. Whether you are a man or a woman, the people that God puts under your care, if you have the ability to protect them, you better rise up and protect them. And whether you are male or female, 
You are called to be a nurturer in many instances, whether it's with people you lead or with your family or maybe even with friends. Both men and women are called to nurture others' faith. We're called to um, nurture the gifts of those that we lead. We're called to have compassion and kindness, all of those things that are considered nurturing roles. To say that only men are protectors and women are nurturers is really just a stereotype. It's putting both men and women in very small boxes. God calls both men and women to use their influence, their privilege, and their power to protect when it calls for that or to nurture when it calls for that. And so because of Deborah's great courage, the Israelites who had been beaten down for 20 years of slavery. They were tired and discouraged. They needed someone to inspire them, and God chose Deborah. Deborah stepped up and stepped into her identity as a leader. She was leading in what was clearly a man's world. Now imagine if she had not been obedient to act on what God called her to do. Nothing would have changed. I want to ask you today, where are you perhaps holding back? Where are you afraid to step out of your comfort zone? Are you playing small in some area of your life? Even know that your gifts could add value. Even know that there's a calling on your life to make a difference in the world. Maybe it's because you have a fear of being criticized. Maybe you're afraid that you're going to be misunderstood. Perhaps in your context, you know that women are not always well-received. I want to encourage you, dear sister, to find inspiration in Deborah and to find Deborah as your role model. To do as Deborah did, to intentionally connect with God through prayer and to look to God to find your confidence, to discern what God is calling you to, and to be willing to step out to have the courage and the boldness to step forward and into the calling that God has for you. Our world needs more women leaders. Our world needs you. Our world needs you to step up and with all of your gifts and all of your voice to make a difference. So will you? Will you have the confidence to rise to all that God has called you to be? Because when women rise, everyone wins. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share it with other women in your network. For more information about me and the work that I do, check out JeanetteCochran.com. And I'd love to hear from you personally. Come join the conversation on social. You can find me on Facebook at Coach or Instagram at Jeanette.Cochran.com.